You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on none other than the Decoding Success Podcast for a brand new episode with a brand new individual. And I shouldn't even say brand new because she's not brand new in that sense, but she's brand new to the show. Today, we are joined by our friend, Ash Amberger, who is an internet entrepreneur, creative writer, speaker, and advocate for women being brave and doing disobedient things with their careers and their lives. Her voice has been called the most memorable on the internet, original in a world with too little of it, not safe for work at all, and also really kind of sweary, which is definitely her favorite description of all of them. She is the founder of the Middle Finger Project, as I am waving my middle finger into the mic right now, which is both the name of her Hallmark lifestyle blog, as well as the title of her brand new book, The Middle Finger Project. She splits her time between Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and traveling the world crushing shit. And today, she is here on Decoding Success to leave her mark in the most utmost of positive ways possible. We had an absolutely amazing conversation and I'm really, really excited for us to dive into this in just a little bit. Before jumping into things though, I do need to ask of you to leave a rating and review for the show. It means the absolute world to us as we are continuously looking to bring on the individuals that will be able to provide the value that you are seeking to level up in your life, to level up in your business, in your relationships, every which way you could potentially level up. We want to be the source of the knowledge, the insights, the wisdom, the experiences that you need to be able to do so. So with that said, by leaving a rating and review, we actually know where to direct the ship. And hey, I'm not asking you for five stars. I'm just asking for your genuine feedback so that we can tailor this show and continuously tailor this show to be the best version for you. And now without further ado, we bring to you Ash Amberjay. Ash, first and foremost, I need to say thank you for the Vin Diesel compliment that I just got from you, which makes me even more excited to have you on today's episode. So thank you for joining us. Hey, I mean, literally, if I happen to call you Vinny during this episode, like, I can't be at fault. <laughs> Listen, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I could already tell that. So before <laughs> diving into your greatness, to help paint the picture, we always ask our interviewees how they personally define success. So I'm curious, how do you define it? Yeah, you know, that's like a profound question, but I have to say, Matt, I think after <laughs> after 35 years in this business that is life, I would say that success for me at this point is being able to choose how you spend your next hour, straight up. I love that. I love that. So let's actually decode that a little bit. And I want to, you know, talk about your journey. I know you grew up in Scranton. Um, I actually looked at University of Scranton for baseball back in the day. Um, I knew you grew up in a trailer park, your parents passed away, you were orphaned. So bring us through your life in that regard. I would love to learn about this journey. God, that's so, yeah, that's so sad sounding when you say it out loud, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, Matt. So I did. I grew up in this rural trailer park. It was actually 45 minutes north of Scranton. Not a lot going on. Didn't really see a lot of success modeled for me. Uh, Just in general, right? When you're when you grow up in a small town in a place where you know ambition is not really a thing, I don't think a lot of people end up having it. So. What, what happened was, right, like some things happened as, you know, happens. Some, some people died and I was determined to go on this mission to figure out what it meant to live a good life and do work that you're proud of. So I set off for the grand city of Philadelphia, uh, almost really intent on running a series of experiments. And I got there and I started observing what it was like to be normal. And instead of the Middle Finger Project, which is now the name of my company and and all of the things, I was really going for the middle class project at the time. Um, I discovered that uh, people really liked these things called farmer's markets, which I had definitely never seen before. I discovered (laughs) (laughs) that, that, that coach was not somebody's gym teacher and that nude was actually a nail color that people paid real money for. Uh, but more importantly, 
I learned that traditional success was actually really predictable. It lacked any kind of imagination and wit. It was the most disappointing discovery of my life because there I was thinking that this was the answer to become this normal, traditionally successful person. And I got there and I was like, geez, it's kind of like anybody can stand here and ring a bell for 40 years and be successful. Like, hey, I finally got a sticker, Bob, you know, 40 years in. Right. And, right. And so it became this, this great mission for me to keep going with that and figure out, you know, what does it mean to dedicate your life to a task? And how do you know if you've chosen well? Like, what does it mean to live a good life? So that's how I started, just answering that basic question. Right. I love that. So let me ask you this. You said success wasn't modeled when we were talking about, you know, rural Scranton area and and things of that nature, your life's events. So what was success to you back then? Or maybe I should ask, was success even a thought back then? Yeah. You know, it was on some level because I was not, I was determined. I was not going to spend the rest of my life crawling underneath that trailer with a blow dryer in the winter to heat up the pipes. Like that was not going to be my life. Uh, And I knew I needed to do something else and it could not be working for the rest of my life at the ice cream stand, which is what I did for the, you know, my whole entirety of, of eight years in high school and college. And so at the time, success for me was like thirty to $50,000 a year. That's all I needed. That to me was going to be big. I think I believe I saw something on your website or maybe it was something that was sent over to me. I saw something along the lines of you having like 26 bucks and like sleeping in your car. Do you feel like that was your quote unquote rock bottom or was it deeper than that? I think that's a, that, I mean, that was a great rock bottom moment. I... I, when you spend your whole life doing all the right things and still you're not happy with any of it, right, right, I finally got that job. I started off making 32000 a year and then I got up to 50000 a year and I had these little, you know, like teeth flossers with the, in these cute little animal shapes and I had pre-washed potatoes and stuff and it was like, wow, I'm living the life. I can afford a $15 pomegranate martini now. And it's like, gosh, it's, it was still so shallow. And so what ended up happening was I had read a book by a guy named Eric Weiner. He was an NPR correspondent. He wrote the geography of bliss. In the book, he studied how different cultures define happiness and really what are the things that are making a country or a culture more happy or less And so I started thinking to myself about language and culture, and I started thinking that, geez, you know, if humans have developed hundreds of ways to communicate with one another, maybe they really have developed hundreds of different ways to be happy. And that led me in this path in Philadelphia, working my corporate job, but still actually immersing myself in subcultures in Philadelphia, wherever I could. I was really like a little anthropologist going salsa dancing and eating at these different ethnic restaurants and just trying to figure out who had it figured out, who had success and happiness figured out. And in the end of the day, I decided to quit my job. I had met some people who were not they didn't buy into the American dream and they were perfectly content with their $10 an hour jobs. They weren't really seeking the kinds of things that I was seeking. And I thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give that a try. I'll see what happens here. I'll try to be a freelance writer. I will not put my focus on all of the money. And when you do that, Matt, when you don't focus on money, eventually you might run out (laughs) <laughs> that's what happened to me. I found myself sleeping in my car in a Kmart parking lot in my early 20s. And I was like, oh no, what have I done? Uh, and that was the moment when most people would probably go back home to their parents or go sleep in a basement or sell something like a bond or maybe even their car. My car was upside down on its loan at the time. I couldn't even do that. They wanted me to pay them $2,000 to give it back to the dealership. <laughs> and uh, it becomes a matter then. In that moment, it was like, well, what do you do? What do you do when you've hit rock bottom? And how do you redefine yourself at that point? And I realized that I might not have had anything physical, tangible to sell, but one thing I did have were my ideas. Right. And that's how I launched my very first business kind of by accident from the backseat of my car. 
I love that. That's so awesome. So let me ask you this, and this has been kind of a recurring topic here on the show over like the past few episodes I've recorded. Um, I'm, and I'm going to give you a very specific example. A friend of mine, his name's Gio. He had a really bad health scare recently to the point where, you know, he was doing a speaking engagement and in the midst of his travels, he was getting all like lightheaded and blurry vision. So he thought he just needed a new pair of glasses. But when he got back, like the the health uh, scare was still there. So he went to the doctor. Next thing you know, he was told to go to the emergency room immediately, found out he was a type two um, diabetic. And um, next thing you know, you know, his life had to change, right? He was overweight and things of that nature. That was his rock bottom to the sense where now he lost X amount of weight. And I can give you multiple examples like this. But my question to you is, do you feel like people need to hit that rock bottom point for them to turn things around? Or can they avoid that or or avoid hitting rock bottom by being self-aware and identifying the issue and then turning it around before you get to that point? Oh, man. Well, you give me so much credit to be able to answer that question. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I can only speak from my own experience. So I will say that for me, hitting rock bottom, I've done it a bunch of times. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, It's the best thing that ever happened to me because I think when you are in that that kind of position, you have to sink or swim and you will always end up swimming. It's the one thing that'll make you swim when you're scared. And I think it's such a great personal development tool actually to hit rock bottom and have no other choice but to go up. So you just said something that it doesn't baffle me, but like I would just love to adopt the mindset you just mentioned. You said that you were almost grateful for rock bottom. Now, were you grateful for it or are you grateful for it when you look back on it or were you grateful for it like in the moment? Because I would love to be grateful for my failures, my mistakes, my challenges, my road bumps, my roadblocks in the moment, but it seems rather hard to fall in love with the journey when those <laughs> types of events are happening, right? So I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I think a little bit of both. I certainly can appreciate it more now uh, that I look back on how that one incident in the Kmart parking lot, for example, completely changed the trajectory of my life. But at the time, right? Uh, at the time, I was I was upset. I, I remember I was crying. I was kind of like punching my my steering wheel a little bit. I was just so mad at myself for letting that happen. And I I will say there was a small part of me that might have been grateful because I had found myself in a precarious situation. You know, when you don't have money you lose your good judgment, you lose your discretion, and you, you, know, you don't have the ability to choose how you want to spend your next hour. So I had found myself living with what I'm going to call a, a dangerous guy. And he was bad news. And there was no way I should have gone back to that house. So there's a part of me that will say, I'm so grateful for that. I was grateful for that in the moment too, because I knew that had things not gotten so dramatic that night to force me there, I might've stayed longer and I might've made different decisions. And I actually did recognize it at the time. Like this sucks right now, but I have more integrity sleeping here than I do going back. Right. Right. That's huge. Dramatic stuff I think can be helpful, but it doesn't always feel that awesome in the moment. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It literally doesn't. And it almost bothers me a little bit when people are like, fall in love with the journey. It's like, okay, well, what do I need to do to fall in love with the journey? Like, yeah, I'm grateful for being here, right? I'm grateful for this moment, talking with you, having this conversation, having a podcast, having a business, a roof over my head. Like, yeah, sure. Like I'm grateful for all of this, but at the same time, like Falling in love with the journey is fucking hard, to say the least. <laughs> well, and it sounds cheesy, like it needs to be on a Hallmark card or something. It's just, I right. hate that stuff, yeah. <laughs> right, shit. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you this. You never settled, and I absolutely fucking love that, to say the least. And I mean, I very much so resonate with that. Um, you know, you went to college, you got the corporate gig, and then you quit. So like, why, number one, why did you quit your job? I need to ask that first. Oh, man. I mean, there was, a, there was a multitude of things that were happening all at once that just contributed to my general sense of, 
of dissatisfaction, but in general, it, it was not really the job I was doing. I was doing advertising sales for a magazine, but it was the routine of this job that really grated on me. And it was the lack of creativity in the role that, that felt so discouraging. I remember a part of my role was to cold call strangers on a list. And when they did not set up an appointment with you as to be expected, you're supposed to then send them this very generic, awful, white, shiny corporate folder as if they're really going to read that. And I was embarrassed that this was my life, that, you know, you're dedicating 10 hours of your day every day. I think you, it has to mean something to you, but most people don't expect, you know, they don't think twice about, about giving away 10 hours of their day for whatever thing, because most people I think are very used to being corralled and monitored and managed and commanded. And they expect to be treated as a number. So I couldn't help but think that that's not really what purpose felt like. That was what oppression felt like. Right. The more I did my job, the more I was like, Jesus, I mean, really, this is just insufferable. And it really came to a head for me one day when I had a client meeting. And it was a guy I had been really, I'd been chasing this guy for months and months. And he was such a busy guy. He had no time for me. And one day I called him and Luck had it. He was like, all right, fine. I will meet with you, but only under one condition. You meet me in this bar in Podunk Nowhere, not at the office because I'm, you know, I've got, I'm on the road. I'm doing stuff. I'm like, okay, check. Got it. I show up. He starts saying really inappropriate things to me about how his employees had fucked his wife and things that you don't know how to really handle when you're like a young 20 something girl. Right. And finally, I kept trying to drive the conversation back to the actual reason I was there. Hey, buy some advertising. <laughs> and at that point, he took out a Polaroid camera from his satchel. I don't even know why he had this thing. And he started snapping pictures of me at the table as I was talking. And, and that was really the moment when I was like, all right, this job, this life I'm living, what am I doing uh, there's you know a whole bunch of stuff that happened after that, but it included it included me getting up and making a deal with this guy. I was like, all right, guys, so here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna sign this contract, and I pushed the contract across the table to him. It was for double the money. So I always had our assistant make me two contracts: one for the regular, one for double. Pushed it across the that. table, right? Yeah, you should always do that if you're in business. And. Uh, and I said, and I'm going to take your camera and I'm going to go into the bathroom and I'm going to take a very special picture for you. All right. And that's going to be our deal. And he was just looking at me like, really? Like, all right. I know a good deal when I see one. And I'm like, great, good. Here's a pen. I'll be right back. I went into the bathroom, snapped a photograph of myself and then came back out. He handed me the contract. I put on my coat. I'm like, thank you so much. Pleasure doing business with you. Uh, see you next time. And he was like, well, what about my picture? I'm like, oh, you know, this. And I threw it at him on the table. I remember it. And he just looked at me because he definitely was not expecting a picture of my middle finger. Wow. That was the moment. That was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm done. Out. Wow. I'm over here like, what the fuck? Like, what, what was the picture? And then, you know, it mm -hmm. all comes full circle. I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. So, yeah. And that's why I started that, my company called The Middle Finger Project. It, just, it had to be. It had to be. Like, that, <laughs> like, that was what it had to be 110%. That is amazing. Yeah, so, don't, don't mess with the girl from Scranton when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> the girls from Scranton are gritty. I could already tell. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So <laughs> let me ask you this. You mentioned having two different contracts, one for the regular price, one for, you know, uh, you know, more. Um, how do you know in that situation, which one to go with? Is it based off vibe and energy? And obviously the way the conversation's going, I'm curious what you think there, because that was the first time I've heard it. I've been at the table with some very affluential business figures and I've never, ever, ever heard this in my life. And I think this is fucking phenomenal. Like this is something that everyone needs to be doing. Thanks. Well, you know, I guess in that setting, it was a little bit different because it was a corporate role. So I had limitations on the kinds of things I could pitch. It was kind of like this or that, you know, small or big, but most people were just of the mindset of just getting the client to sign the smallest deal possible. And then hopefully later you can upsell them on the bigger ads. 
But I was kind of like, you know what, no, if this is going well, and they're really excited, and in particular, I was using a lot of data at the time to say to somebody, look, your competitors X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C over here in the same region are advertising with us, and here's some of the numbers that they're getting, Um, you know, without disclosing their names, of course. But when I had good data like that, and I, I felt like, hey, look, like, look at what your product costs, and look at how much money we can make you. If the client was was into it, it makes sense to say like, let's. I mean, I do this as a general practice in business now. Like, let's always pitch the the best, most brightest thing that we possibly can give you, and then work backwards from there. If if there's pushback, all right, well now let's adjust. But I think it makes more sense approaching it from that way. Like, let's give you the most of our genius, and uh, and and take it from there, as opposed to starting with the smallest possible thing. Right. That's huge. And earlier you mentioned something along the lines of your focus being on money. Do you feel like it should be on, on the, you know, the check or on the value that, you know, you're giving someone else in regards to earning that money? I think if you're doing it right, both should be in play. I mean, I think that making great money comes from showing up, doing great work, but the only way you can do great work is really by being as honest with yourself as possible about what you're great at. So many people are like, well, you know, I used to work in accounting, so it would make sense for me to start off with an accounting business. But I tell you what, I, I, I've witnessed so many people do this because you can, you can absolutely do something that makes sense, but, but you might still be miserable. <laughs> right. Right. So I really think that thinking hard about and focusing on what's that one thing where you do, you got some magic behind you on that one thing. I love telling a client, listen, I am terrible at all these other things. I'm not your girl for that. Don't hire me, hire this person or this person or this person. But if this is what you're after, I am the best in the world at this thing. And having the confidence to say that, but it only comes when you can really zero in on what you're great at. You know, it's something I do now, now that I have a little bit more flexibility with what I'm offering. If I'm ever in a client situation, my rule of thumb now is to always offer three different levels of engagement. I never offer one and I don't really offer just like double the money, but to your point of like, you know, what are, you know, what's the, where is it at? Is it the money? Is it the, is it the work? I offer three levels of engagement. When I listen to a client on the phone, um, I'm, I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm taking notes of actually the words that they're using verbatim. And I'm also listening for in between the lines of what they're, you know, what they really need versus what they're telling me they need. So the first thing I'll pitch them is just straight up what they asked for. The second thing I'll pitch them is for more money for what I know they need and would be such a relief if they actually had, even if they didn't know that I could do that for them. Right. And then, right. And then the third thing is like, whatever I can produce as a human being, like my, like <laughs> everything within my power for, you know, a significantly higher amount. And you'd be surprised at how many clients are just, they're thrilled. They didn't even know you could do that. And it's like, oh, you know, if someone offered to take all your problems away, you wouldn't be mad. You'd be happy. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, w- I would love that, right? I think we all would, just having our problems be taken away. So um, that is amazing, those three steps. I think that's phenomenal on top of it all. Now, let me ask you, in regards to what people are great at, right? You know, you mentioned that. And clearly, you and I have something in common. We left, you know, jobs that were meaningful to us to a sense. Um, you know, we were exchanging time for money, um, which is cool to a point. And then, you know, you feel lack of fulfillment. You want change in your life. But oftentimes, people and listen, there's going to be people that listen to this show that are in this situation that I'm about to paint here to the point where they know they're great at something. They want to pursue that something, but they're scared to do so in the sense where number one, they either can or can't leave their job because of financial, you know, um, constraints or things of that nature. Um, maybe they're in the position where they are hustling uh, or they're doing the thing they're great at from a side hustle perspective, but being that they are either lacking the confidence in themselves or they have a scarcity mindset in regard to what can come about from that business or that side hustle, you know, people aren't going all in, 
right? And that, and that's what I kind of want to get at here. You took that leap of faith, and I know you're going to speak from your experience on this. You took that, or maybe I shouldn't even call it a leap of faith. It was almost as if you felt a leap, you were, a leap of oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, a, a leap of oh fuck. We can call it that. But you felt that from what I'm picking up because you kind of had to. You were in a situation where you're at a client meeting, and it's just like this guy is a fucking dog, right? So, yeah. uh, and of course there were other things as you mentioned as well, but. Um, what is your advice to someone that wants to make the moves that we've been able to make? And I, I, I always talk about this on the show. So I'm curious what you feel like from your experience, you know, someone should be doing. You know, I, I take a really drastic stance on this. I'm not a fan of taking it slow. I think that that is uh, only good advice if you are a junior high prom attendee. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan. But again, this is my experience and this has been what's worked for me. I really think that I would, I would do the crazy thing. I would do the dangerous thing. Um, not, not because it's dangerous, but because it's the only thing that is going to force you to level up. I think if you're too comfortable, it's too easy not to, not to do the thing. So I really would say, uh, and I know this is difficult. This is not going to be for everybody. I know that there are other considerations. I know people have families and they have kids and they have debt. But I would say take the biggest risk that you can. And I would say make sure you got some skin in the game in the way of money. Invest some money because you are going to take it seriously <laughs> if, you've, if you put some money down. So whether that's you know hiring a designer to do a site or uh, taking the training that you have to do, even if it's a few thousand dollars and you're like, shit, is this irresponsible? It's not. It's the most responsible thing you can be doing because you're giving yourself built-in accountability. And I think that, you know, unless you want to uh, become homeless in a Kmart parking lot, this is the easiest way to kind of force a little bit of tension in your everyday life is by putting down some money. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do would be just figure out one thing that you're great at that you like doing and just worry about selling it to one person. Don't worry about like all the other things. Don't worry if it's right. Don't worry if the pricing's right. Don't worry if you know what you're doing yet. Just take something you're great at. Worry about selling it to one person. And as soon as you do that, it's going to be like, oh, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? This is great. I like doing this work. Or I don't actually like doing this work. I need to readjust, um, which is, is important. You're going to be iterating every single day of your life for the rest of your life. So get used to that feeling. <laughs> right, right. And I think, you know, point two that you made, find out what you're, you know, what you're great at and sell it to someone like that feeling when you make your first sale is so freaking euphoric. Um, and it, you know, you feel so accomplished when you make it. And listen, it might not be your biggest sale. It might not be your greatest sale, but it's your first sale. And mm -hmm. I think that right there is so beautiful. And you want to know what I, I also love the fact that you are very much so like me in the sense, and we're, I should say we're like each other to be correct here. Um, <laughs> Like are you older other. than me or younger than me? You're probably younger than me because I am uh, 35. You're 35. I'm 27. We're not too far apart. But, Damn uh, you, Matt. Damn you, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but you, we're very much so like each other in the sense that we're willing to jump off the cliff and build a plane on the way down. Like that type of mentality. I oh, love yeah. it. The only thing is personally, like, as you mentioned, it's not for everyone. And I realize, like, I love doing it, but I don't like when my plane is like halfway built and I realize, like, holy shit, dude, like, you're 100 feet from the ground now. Like, build your plane fucking faster. You know, like, <laughs> like I've never that's heard the that. part build I don't your like. Plane on the way down. That's cool. Yeah, that's actually a quote. I believe it's, I hope I'm not misquoting who this is, but I believe it's Reed Hoffman who said that it's like, you know, take that leap of faith um, off the cliff, build a plane on the way down, that type of thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, that's what I was picking up as you were saying that. Yeah, you know what? I just had a conversation not a couple weeks ago with my girlfriend, Chelsea. Chelsea was from Boston. She was an engineer decided in her mid-30s that she was not going to do that anymore. She went back to pastry school in her mid-30s, then ended up going to Costa Rica to tour a vanilla farm, fell in love with the country of Costa Rica. She is now the premier wedding cake <laughs> baker in the country. And her and I were having this great conversation the other day where 
she said to me that someone had said to her, like, hey, how do you feel comfortable taking an order for a cake that you've never made? It's this extravagant, crazy thing. You don't know how to do it or if it's going to work out. So how do you feel comfortable taking someone's money for that? And she just looked at them and was like, well, I mean, I might not have made it before, but I'm confident enough in my skills to, to know that I'll figure it out as I go. Right. Said, oh my God, that's so true. And it's so indicative of the kind of personality that is the entrepreneurial profile of someone like you and I who have enough self-trust to know that even if you don't know how to do it today, you'll figure it out as you go versus the other kind of profile of a person who prefers to know right now in advance how everything's going to play out. That kind of person I don't think is well suited for entrepreneurship. Right, right. And I do believe everything is figureoutable. And I also think that the two that you just mentioned, the two sides of that spectrum and the two sides of that pendulum are almost intertwined at a certain point in entrepreneurship. Like once you start, and this is from my opinion, my perspective, my experiences, it's like once you start doing something that you are maybe not certain about, you have some you know, uncertainty about whatever it is you're going into. Maybe you haven't done it before, as just alluded to. I do feel like after a certain point, though, you do have a quote-unquote blueprint, right? Do you agree with that? Totally. Yeah, you, you get to know yourself and you get to know, you know, what works and what doesn't. Right, right. Okay, cool. We're on the same page here. So, Ash, I want to talk about your new book, The Middle Finger Project. Go figure. This is the name <laughs> of the fucking book. The Middle Finger Project. <laughs> Trash your imposter syndrome and live the unfuckwithable life you deserve. Give me the, I, I want, all right, so we understand what the Middle Finger Project is. Let me know what this subtitle means to you. I, I want to go deeper on this. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was a kind of a weird realization. I didn't know was going to happen. I didn't know that so much of my work and my writing focused on helping people overcome that feeling of imposter syndrome. But alas... When writing a book, uh, I, I started to see some themes. And that's just kind of what happens when you start to put your work in this longer form. The same themes keep coming up. And it ended up being about imposter syndrome because, you know, as I described earlier, coming from the background that I did, and a lot of us have come from places that uh, we might not be so proud of, you feel like an imposter your entire life. So my, my life was figuring out how not to. And if I did, how to overcome that and do the damn thing anyway. So all of the, all of the things that I've done from you know, building my first freelance business to building an actual creative writing agency to then later scaling that into this you know, bigger digital company and everything I've done from traveling all around the world and speaking and like, it's just crazy. All of it has had some level of imposter syndrome. And I don't think it's ever something you can ever escape because the more stuff you do and the more successful you become, the more stuff you're going to be doing that you've never done before. So it's always right. going to be there. And it's like, okay, well, how do you, how do you just learn to kind of like sidestep it and dance around with it a little bit and have some fun with it then? as opposed to dreading feeling like an imposter and letting that stop you. That's what this so book that, is about. That's what I was going to ask you. So I was going to ask you how do, and I'm just going to ask you personally, how do I overcome it? Because there have been numerous times that I have been blessed with the opportunity to speak, um, honestly, all across our amazing country, uh, even in Philly, even in, you know, fucking Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. Like I was in Fargo. I'm a boy from Queens. I'm a boy from Queens and they flew me out to Fargo, North Dakota. I'm, I'm six foot five. The fucking snow was above my head when I got you there. You are not. Oh my God. That's great. <laughs> like it was crazy. I've been in Houston. I've been like, I catch fucking imposter syndrome um, when I'm in these moments. And it's like, yo, I've been arrested. I've got kicked out of two high schools. I lost my dream of playing professional baseball at 17. Like I failed out of college. It's like, why me? I catch, and maybe that is why, right? Maybe that is why. And I'm trying to believe that more and more. And I'll catch that imposter syndrome in the moment where it's like, I'm on this stage and these people are so attentively listening to me and to what I have to say. And then I'll even, <laughs> I'll even question what I'm saying. It's like, dude, like, 
does this make sense? Like, you know, uh, like, I guess you kind of answered it. It's like, it will always be there. But what does imposter syndrome stem from? Is it just from trying new things and having that uncomfortableness because it's never been done before in your personal experience? I think there's certainly different levels of it. I think... There's levels to this shit. I agree. Right. Like there is, there's definitely levels to it. Um, you know, we definitely all feel it. And I would say that if, if you are feeling it at some point, the first question I would ask yourself is this, like when you feel like a fraud, are you faking the enjoyment? And this is kind of a weird question but 50% of the time that you feel like a fraud in your work, and I'm not saying this was your experience on stage, but 50% of the time you feel like a fraud because you actually don't really like what you're doing and you are forcing yourself to do something because it makes sense or because that's your background or because it makes money. And so when you have to fake it every day that you actually like your job to your clients, to your boss, to everyone around you and pretend that you are enthusiastic and dedicated, of course you're going to feel like a fraud. Like you are faking the enjoyment. So I would ask you if you really have imposter syndrome, like, do you actually really like what you're doing? Are you faking that? Cause right? right. And then if you do really like what you're doing, but you still feel like an imposter. So more along the lines of where you're at, where you're like, I love this. I'm, I'm stretching myself. <laughs> Um, I think imposter syndrome doesn't always come from doing something you shouldn't be doing. I think sometimes it just comes from having the wrong expectations about it. So the thing that I always tell myself when I'm in that situation is trying to shift my mindset from having to be like the best speaker or the best writer or the best whatever to simply making an honest contribution. That is the goal. No one can fault you for going to, to North Dakota, <laughs> right? And trying very hard to take your experiences and translate those into something that's more meaningful for the general population and all of humanity. I think that's wonderful. Right. Uh, and we don't give ourselves enough credit for it. But when you start to focus on helping other people, and that's the goal, instead of like being the best and living up to everyone's imaginary expectations, it takes the pressure off. Um, right. All right. Like if you're walking down the street in Queens and you see an old man fall in front of you in the middle of the street, you are going to rush over there. And I hope Matt, I hope you're going to help him up <laughs> without like worrying that you're, you're, you know, are you qualified to do this? No one's giving you permission to help him up or touch him. You're just going to help. And you're going to feel confident that that was actually helpful. And I think your work is no different. Um, there are really like old men everywhere all over the world right now and they need your help. And so are you going to offer it or are you going to, you know, worry that they're, they're going to be mad at you for it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And listen, I know a lot of people from New York get a bad rap, but I promise you I'm one of the good ones. I will most definitely help the, the gentleman up if he falls. <laughs> but Hell I think yeah. you, you, you also hit the nail on the head for me personally, and I'm sure for a lot of individuals here that are, that are tuned into this, when you mentioned that we set expectations going into things, and sometimes those expectations are realistic, but I took that as, and this is how I interpret it, it's almost like expectations versus standards, right? To the point where we shouldn't necessarily set any expectations, but you mentioned a standard that you set, like saying that you're going to go into it and give it your all. So like that to me... and correct me if I'm wrong. That's how I interpreted that. And honestly, I, I love that. And I think that's something that we should all adopt because I feel like when we have expectations, we get let down, right? That's like, if you're going into a basketball game saying, I'm going to score 20 points and get 10 rebounds. And then <laughs> next thing you know, you score 15 and get five, like you're going to be let down. But if you have that standard as opposed, you know, as opposed to that expectation saying, I'm just going to go out there and play my fucking best. You know, you might be guarded by Michael Jordan, you know, so it's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> yes, of course. Right. That changes everything that context doesn't it it does it does yeah and you know what else too is important to recognize is that the people who flew you to north dakota they didn't do that on accident like your clients are not giving you money by accident your customers they're not actually buying things by accident you're not getting that promotion by accident um you know these people know what they're doing because they can see you more objectively than you can actually see yourself. So I think a lot of this is just trusting that you are good enough to be received, which is kind of like 
the hardest thing to do as an entrepreneur sometimes. Yeah, I even think that goes into a personal level, though. Even with relationships and things of that nature, it comes down, like, I I can go on for days. Like, literally, Ash, I could talk to you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto! Like, like I could literally talk to you forever. It's, that topic right there is like a whole other episode. So when you're ready to jump back on here, we'll 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 talk again. (laughs) Thank you, Vinny. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go deeper on this book. Why are you writing this at, at this point in your journey? Like what came over you? What compelled you to say, all right, it's time to write this book? Yeah, you know, I, I talk to people all over the world every day. And yes, do people need business advice? Yes. Do people need to know how to price themselves? Yes. Do they need to know you know, what kind of equipment they need to build an online course. Absolutely. All of this stuff, all the technical stuff, absolutely people need to know that. But time and time again, the thing that keeps coming back around that really started to baffle me was that none of that stuff, none of the technical stuff was really why people were getting tripped up. They were getting tripped up because they didn't really believe that they could do it. And I think it's true. If you even think about something that we all encounter every day all the time is something as simple as like weight loss. If you really have bought into the story that your body is just meant to be a certain way and that's just it, you're not gonna do the work that you need to do to change it because you don't really believe that it can change. And I think so much of this stuff, finding success in untraditional ways and doing what it what feels good for you, you got to first believe that it's possible. And that sounds so stupidly cliche, but it's true. So for me, seeing other people doing things that I wanted to do was really helpful for me to be like, well, I can do it too. So that's what this book is more than anything. It's just a big mouthy sister to anyone who is feeling like they're, you know, they're, they're, if they're at rock bottom, really helpful. If they're not, if they're kind of like in the opposite, I get a lot of people who are like, Hey, you know what? Technically nothing's wrong. I have a decent paying job and I should be grateful for that. But I think God telling people that they should just be grateful is the world's worst advice. It's dangerous advice uh, because people think that they, you know, they should stay. They guilt themselves into staying. So if you're in that position where you're like, well, you know what? I should just be happy. Um, This is the book for you. If you don't feel like you are for anybody who's just like questioning what the next step is. And if they're a little bit crazy for wanting that, this is the book that says, you know what? You got this. Totally do. A hundred percent. I love that. So Ash, you mentioned you talk to people all over the world. You're about to come out with this book, which is out when this episode airs. Um, I'm I'm sure you're doing a whole bunch of podcasting and things of that nature. I have to ask you, what is a question that you wish more people would ask you? And how would you answer that? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Oh, man. I am doing a lot of podcasting and things of this nature. I I always ask this question, and I don't ever mean to stump anyone with it, but I want to be able to provide an enjoyable experience on this show like all the time because I have so much fun doing this and on top like this is like the utmost thing I'm passionate about right now like being able to connect with people just like yourself and like have dope ass conversations like this one it's just like so fun so I want to just be able to extract you know value that you feel like people aren't extracting from you when you're doing something like this yeah yeah um You know, I I think we talk a lot in general about ambition and about what it takes to be successful. And I mean, this kind of across the board, but I would say that I think it's equally as fascinating to understand the dark side of ambition, the other side of that sword, if you will, because a lot of the the stuff I write about in this book as well is like, so now you've, you've taken this risk, but how do you actually make it work for you? And one of the things I discovered for myself was that I had to learn how to be a mother to myself in an all new way. Now that I'm taking these risks and doing new things and I don't really have a safety net. So ambition is great because you can get to these places and you will be able to control, you know, how you spend your next hour. But that also can be 
tricky because when you discover that you have so much more power than you thought you did and you can actually make as much money as you want and you can do whatever you want if you decide, um, it becomes almost addictive. It's like a form of intellectual gambling. And when do you stop? And when do you, you know, put the brakes on? Because normally when you're working a regular job, five o'clock comes and you're done and you don't have any other obligations. But when you work for yourself in particular, now it's a whole new thing. So I think that that's a, it's a worthwhile conversation to have as well. It's like, how do you find that balance? And, and what do you do to become a mom to yourself when you need to be? Right. Now, let me ask you this. What is ambition to you? And I'm not necessarily asking for the Merriam-Webster dictionary um, elaboration on it. I'm just saying like in general, what does it mean to you? And um, I'm going to relate it to what it means to me. I mean, I grew up here in Queens. I'm a 90s baby. And by the time I actually understood what music was, 50 Cent was the shit around here. So, uh, (laughs) you know, like he has that song Hustler's Ambition. That's like my wake up song all the time. But I'm curious what ambition means to you. And I also want to know like what that dark (laughs) side of ambition is. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I think for me, it's, it's simple. I think ambition is curiosity. That's it curiosity about yourself and about living and about your own potential. Um, you know, I don't think you got to go crazy with it. I think if you just get a little bit more curious about what you're capable of and what you might want to do, that's ambition right there. I think that's so important. So important when it comes to living this fulfilled life. Uh, one of the things that I found, I discovered and researching for this book was actually the difference between happiness and meaningfulness. And Mm. I discovered that happiness comes like kind of just in general when you get the things you want, but meaningfulness comes when you get the things you want and you are also expressing and defining yourself while you do it. Right. Right. So I think that's where creativity comes into play. I think that's where curiosity comes into play. I think that's why it's so important. And defining ambition that way is important because it's like, yeah, you know, you could just, you could just take any old job. It's going to get the job done. You're going to get a salary at the end of the day, but does it matter? Right. 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 Yeah. That's powerful. Right. I mean, does it matter? Like, does any of the shit we are doing every day matter? (laughs) I'm not saying you got to go out and start the next make a wish foundation, but like, does it matter to you? Do you give a shit about your life? Like, ugh, it's so hard. So then, but then the dark side, right? Is the dark side of ambition is like, now you, you do give a shit, but, but you also have to remember that you're a human being who needs like sunlight and exercise and that kind of stuff. So exactly. the dark, yeah, the dark side is when you like it too much and then you, you're like, oh, damn, now I'm over committed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I love that. So, Ash, like I said, I could talk to you for literally days here, but I want to respect your time. So I have a few more questions for you. The first one being, if individuals could only take away one thing from this book and you need to say this in one sentence, if possible. What is that one thing? You kind of started to touch on it, and I just want to see if we can go a little bit deeper on that. Oh, God, I don't even remember what I said, but I will say that the one thing I really hope you take away is this idea of despite. Most people work their lives in making decisions because of X, because you know they don't have time yet, because they're scared, because they're not sure, but I would encourage you to change that word to despite. No, I am going to do this despite not being short, despite not having time, despite not knowing if it's going to work out. Wow. Okay. That is fucking powerful in itself. More than that one is... sentence. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. no. That, listen, that was one sentence. It was just a run on. That's totally fine with me. That's what I was but, going for. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. That is huge. That is huge. I, I, I wrote that down because that's something that I need to take into consideration more often. But yeah, let me do. ask you this. Let me ask you this. You're clearly very experienced from the corporate sense, from now being an author, um, from literally everything you have going on, business owner, et cetera, et cetera. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received across your journey? 
Go, go, go. Seth Godin told me that. And it's been the most important three words of my life. I've thought about getting them tattooed on myself. Go, go, go. Every time I'm feeling doubtful, I just go, go, go. Doing that and not thinking about it, not overthinking everything has been absolutely one of the reasons for any success I've ever enjoyed. Now, how do you apply that to your life though? Like it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it, right? And that's with honestly everything. Like if someone's listening to this right now and they want to adopt that, they want to take that into consideration and, and you know, move forward with that. What are the action steps to doing it? Like it might sound like a silly question because obviously the answer is just fucking go. But like, is there something in place to the point where, well, maybe actually let me reframe that. What if someone doesn't know like where to go or how to go? You know, like I'm curious what you think on that. Yeah. I mean, there's a chapter in my book that's called the, it talks about like the 52 steps to finding your passion that like the 52 easy steps to finding your passion, because it's, it's a joke. Like there's no easy way to doing that. But I, I think you can't find your passion in your living room. And a lot of people are frustrated because they're like, man, I should know myself. I should know what I like. But really all the experiences you've had are, are pretty limited in general. If you've just gotten up every day and gone to an office and gone to Starbucks and then come back. Like, how would you ever know what you like? So I think the first thing is trial and error. Get out there and just try the most ridiculous things you can think of. A trick, a hack that I like to use is making myself accountable to other people. So for example, the other day I started taking bar class, B-A-R-R-E, not vodka. (laughs) 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 And for some reason, I was just like mind fucked about this class because I was picturing walking in there and being surrounded by all of these like super fit girls with like Lululemon little like sports bras and knowing all the moves <laughs> and me just being this clunky fat ass in the back and like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. So uh, instead of procrastinating that, what I try to do instead is I made, I made, uh, I booked a session with the actual instructor, like it's just a private one. And because now I can't back out because now she's waiting for me. I have gone, I've gone many times now and I love it, but I do that oftentimes when it comes to like building a business or anything. If I can get another person invested, investing their time in my dream, then I'll show up for it too. And that's so helpful with whatever. That's huge. Now, this is so fucking random. What the hell is bar? I see like people posting about it all the time in like these little footsie leggings and like (laughs) socks. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, is it just stretching? Like, what is it? Ew, God, no. Oh, God, no. It's like the hardest workout I've ever done. (laughs) No, I mean, it takes the name from the ballet bar because there's a lot of ballet inspired stuff. It's all about lengthening and strengthening and leaning yourself out. But it's kind of a combination between ballet meets Pilates meets yoga, but with like a focus on becoming a strong ass motherfucker. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. I mean, I, I, like I said, I see people posting it and I'm like, do they do it just for like the leggings that go over the feet, like a footsie pajama? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I was, that's why I wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this flip side of the question I just asked you and not the bar one, <laughs> the advice <laughs> one, what is a piece of advice that you didn't want to hear at the time it was given to you, but proved to be true over time? Oh man. That's a tough one. I know. And I, this is, I, I was willing to give warning before we started recording this, by the way. <laughs> no, you know, I, I've been struggling lately because a lot of the advice that I took ended up being wrong. And I was pissed that I didn't follow my own voice with certain things. So I'm trying to now think of the opposite where, uh, where it's actually right. Um, I would say something that I have consistently done wrong (laughs) that I need to get better about is letting other people make it easier for me. I get a lot of advice all the time of people being like, just hire someone to respond to your social media comments. Just hire someone to do all these things. And I've been on this like, thing though where I don't like that because it's me it's my brand and it feels so inauthentic to have people responding as me I think I don't want that stuff to to happen and that's not just social media it's everything it's hiring teams in general to help Um, but I'm, I'm like 
there's this thing that I think is true where when you grow up identifying as a scrappy person, that's just who you are. So you naturally gravitate towards doing things the scrappiest way possible because if all of a sudden everything becomes easy and you have all of these people helping you, who are you? It's like right. a fucking existential crisis. So I think that some of the best advice I've been given that I haven't even taken yet is just like keep hiring more people to help you so you can then keep doubling down on that one thing you're great at. Right. So I know what that is. I've been, I've been doing that for many years, but um, I think I'd be so much more of a force if I just did that thing and stop, you know, footing around with all this other nonsense that I shouldn't be doing. Exactly. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that as well. So Ash, last question for you. If, and this is a tough one too, by the way, if you could only give one piece of universal advice for the rest of your life, what is that? Travel. Oof. Okay. Listen, you just opened up a can of worms here. <laughs> Seriously, this is, this is powerful now. You, you just touched on one of my favorite subjects. Where is your favorite place to travel to? Uh, it's a little basic, but it's Scotland. I love Scotland. I love the country of Scotland. I will someday own property there. I'm obsessed. Uh, it's very interesting. And now I, I appreciate that share. I'm going to tell you my favorite answer to that question. And it's not my answer, but I'm going to steal it. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with David Meerman Scott. Uh, he works yeah. for He's great. He's phenomenal. Um, he actually just released a book with Penguin Random House as well. And, um, he works with Tony Robbins, amazing individuals. And I asked him that question because again, he brought up travel in regards to being able to find yourself and being able to grow and things of that nature. And he, when I asked him what his favorite place to travel to was or is, he said the next country I'm going to. <laughs> I was blown away. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That's such a good answer. I'm stealing it for future reference. Right? I am 100% stealing that. I have been stealing. I'm waiting for people to ask me. I'm like wearing shirts that say, I like to travel. I'm like, yeah, ask me the question. <laughs> I love it. Oh, isn't yeah. that true? Tra travel, man. I mean, gosh, out of all the things that I've ever done, like that's the, it'll help you in anything. And it will absolutely, if you're here listening because of business, it has helped me so much in business because you start to see you know, that you're, you're quite capable in all sorts of contexts, right? Like it's all about taking risks every single day. Like you don't know, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea what's happening. You have to figure it out every day. It's a great exercise in just learning how to figure it out. So huge. I love that we, we were ending this show on that note. Like that is honestly so freaking monumental. I appreciate that share. <laughs> travel. Now, travel, travel, fucking travel. That, that's like a reminder to me because I've been up in the air about traveling. I mean, I'm, I'm super fucking transparent on this show. Um, a buddy of mine and I, actually a few, a few friends of mine and I were out at a bar maybe a few weeks back. And Not B-A-R-R-E. <laughs> no, not that one. We were, I promise you, we weren't wearing like footy leggings or, or things of that nature. We were at the bar. Now and you know we what I'm like, sending you in the mail. Oh my God, please don't. <laughs> we were like so on the, on the cusp of booking a trip to Belgium because we were just like talking about travel stories. And then even this weekend, we had friends in from Dallas up here in New York City. And they're like, come, come, come. It's so, it's so fun in Dallas. And I was just like, you know what? Like this right here is my reminder to book some travel. Um, so I appreciate that. That's like, I'm taking that as the sign from the universe right now. Like I need to fucking travel myself. Yeah. Yes. And don't you think it's kind of the beginning of everything? Like if you start traveling, everything stems from that. You will become a more confident person. You'll feel like less of an imposter. You will start to meet people who have all sorts of interesting ideas. You're going to start to all of a sudden be a part of this other world where people are doing interesting creative things and it makes it seem more normal to be doing right. creative, interesting things. And it just like spirals from there. I think it's the best starting place for whatever you want to be doing. I totally agree with you. And you know, what's crazy. Like every time I travel, I come back to New York city after the trip and I feel high as fuck. Oh, like, I just, yeah. 
Like it is incredible what it does for you in this. And maybe it's just me. And I, I know you kind of just reacted in a way that it seems like it's for you as well. Like, I just feel like I'm on such a high and that I can conquer anything. I feel like I'm the fucking man. And to feel like you're the fucking man in New York city or any major city in the world, it's just like, yo, like that says a lot, you know? So it, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I, I do believe is that, you get to see different sides of yourself when you're in different cultures, like <laughs> sides of yourself you would have never seen if you just stay in one place doing the same routine over and over again, but you have to adapt and you start to see different skills and strengths that you have that you didn't even know you had until right. you were forced to be there and do it. And I, man, travel is just the best personal development tool I ever met and business development too, swear. It's crazy. Listen, this is going to be our third episode. We, you're coming <laughs> back for a second. Travel's going to be our third. I would, like that, That's 100%. I love done this. Done and done. I was just on a podcast that was all about travel. So it's great. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Ash, where do you hang out most on social? I'm going to have all your social links in the show notes of this episode. Obviously, the website where people can get the book. But if someone that's listening to this right now wants to you know, slide in the DMs or, or something of that nature, where could they hit you up at? Yeah. I mean, like I'm definitely on Instagram at the dot middle dot finger dot project but twitter is my other second love and i'm at tmf project i love that however just going to the regular site is kind of good because we have a lot of fun stuff that we're doing in, in association with the book we've got 25 days to 100k if you are trying to take wow. a talent and sell it which is like a fun free challenge we've got now the uh the free quit your job store if you're not really there yet you're just trying to figure it out <laughs> That's and awesome. uh, yeah, fun new quiz that I'm putting together called uh, Should You Quit Your Job in the First Place? So, That's huge. Yeah, I got some fun stuff happening over there, just also at the Middle Finger Project. Awesome. Very cool stuff. All those links will be in the show notes of this episode for everyone tuned in right now. Ash, I appreciate this. This was such a dope conversation. I'm really excited to be able to amplify this message. And um, yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. I love you, Vin Diesel. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it from Ash Amberger herself. As you can tell, very, very synchronized in our conversation as we've had a complete blast. And I hope you've been able to enjoy yourself throughout the process of this hour-long conversation. To that point, I want to make sure you are staying connected with Ash on social. She's hanging out on Instagram and on Twitter. I personally follow her on the gram a lot more than anywhere else because that's where I'm most active. So wherever you're most active, make sure you're hitting her up. You can find all of her social handles and links in the show notes of this episode to make it really, really simple and easy to be able to connect with her. On top of that, you can also find the link to her book, her brand new book, which just came out this week. It is on shelves all over the place. If you're in New York City, you could check it out at the Barnes and Noble right in Union Square. Or hey, maybe you're somewhere else and you want to be able to get it delivered directly to your door. You can check out the Amazon link in the show notes of this episode to easily access that. As always, I want to provide you with the insightful three points that stood out to me the most, the ones that resonated with me the most on the highest levels. The first one, I'm going to skip right to my favorite one, travel. I literally just got back from an amazing trip down in Florida, and this could not have come at a better time. So if you have been on the brink of it, or maybe you're like putting it off because you want to save more money before you do it. Listen, forget all of that. Just fucking pack the bag and go. I promise that you will not regret it. And Ash is a reinforcement to that point. We've heard it multiple times, literally in the course of 2020, we've heard it a handful of times from amazing individuals that have hopped on this show. So seriously, if you are on the brink, if you are on the cusp, if you have been debating travel, stop the debate and just pack the fucking bag. I promise you it will be well freaking worth it. Second point that Ash brought up that I absolutely love is the fact that we need to start small. If you have an idea and you want to turn it into a hobby for from a hobby to a you know, side hustle from a side hustle to a business, just start small. Know what it is you want to do and sell it to one person. Give it away to one person. Test that MVP. Let people try it. Let them give you feedback. Let them know what you're doing and see what you're doing work for them. 
then adjust accordingly. You don't need to have a product and sell 10 million on day one. We have these ambitious as goals because we're so fucking driven and I respect the shit out of that. But we can't forget that we're taking one step in front of the other. Otherwise, we're going to fall flat on our fucking face. When we were babies, we didn't just get out of our mom's womb and start fucking running. No, we had to adapt. We had to crawl. We had to start walking in a little dumb walker looking thing. And then next thing you know, you could run at the park. You could run wherever, right? Over time. Time though, so make sure you remember to start small. And for point number three, I want to bring up one of the first points that Ash brought up on the show. She defines success as being able to choose what you do the next hour. I think that is insanely powerful to really think about. When you have the ability, when you have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with who you want, how you want to do it, that right there is insanely powerful. And you want to know what? No matter what you do right now in your life, you have the utmost ability, you have the utmost potential to be able to create that same type of success as Ash puts it or that same type of freedom as you may put it so if you're like hey man I can't do that I'm in a cubicle right now or you might say hey man I'm in college right now or you might say hey Matt like I just don't have the flexibility to do that right now because I have two kids and a wife or a husband listen I get it but it doesn't mean just because you can't do it right this second that you can't start taking the steps to be able to create that type of life for yourself so if that's something you want I highly highly suggest diving into it because personally for me to be able to wake up at whatever time I want to be able to go to bed at whatever time I want to be able to work on whatever I want and I'm not sitting here saying that I have this massed fortune where I'm able to do these things no I fucking hustle I have an underdog mentality where I'm putting in work I promise you that but I'm putting in the work that I want to put in I'm creating the life that I want to be able to create and we all have the ability to do that and I think that right there is the point that needs to be taken away so again to sum it up let's work backwards here number one being able to choose what you do the next hour being able to have that sort of freedom man that is fucking powerful number two start small and number three do not forget to travel I promise you that is like the biggest one you need to take that you need to take that advice today JetBlue is running an amazing offer I'm getting nothing from them for some sort of anniversary it's like $20 flights like Go! Take the fucking flight! I literally promise you I'm getting nothing from that, but I just saw a commercial earlier today. I need to promote that for you because it just so much aligns with what we're talking about here. So make sure you're traveling. Lastly, again, I'm going to ask you to leave a rating and review. It means the absolute world to us when you do so. I'm not asking for five stars, just your genuine feedback. We're having so much fun with this show, and I really, really want you to be able to enjoy it as much as we're enjoying it. And I know a lot of you community members that tune into this absolutely love it, and you're giving us that feedback but please 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 if you're tuned in from apple itunes wherever make sure you're leaving that review and hey if you enjoyed this as much as we do make sure you're sharing it as well because people that you hang around are like-minded and if you're enjoying it i promise you they're most likely enjoying it as well so make sure you're sharing this with them it means the absolute world to us when you do that until next time everyone be blessed peace